Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Sukkis in Jerusalem, everybody builds their sukkah walls. Little children decorate cutouts and pictures, large and small. Palm branches let a bit of light in When it's dark they even let the night in Temporary dwellings for you and me Soul comes down from heaven and goes into the body of a baby And every footstep that it takes is judged with yes or no, or maybe. Love and faith lets a bit of light in. It's the life we find that's so exciting. Temporary dwellings for.
בוכני בשוליים, אדון השוליים, לכן ולחסד ולרחמים לחיים טובים ולשוליים. בוכני בשוליים, אדון השוליים, לכן ולחסד ולרחמים לחיים טובים ולשוליים. בסעיף קוידויסי ויש כל בני ביסי, ויש כל עמכו ביסי ישראל. בסעיף קוידויסי, ויש כל בני ביסי. Yes, God, we're there. 
It's my sukkah I love my sukkah Now for the next seven days That's where I will stay in my sukkah Oh, it's my sukkah I love my sukkah It's a temporary house And I will walk about in my sukkah Oh, in my sukkah And with my lulav a net rope too 
And with my rule of an etrog too I take my rule of an etrog And shake, 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 shake It in my sucker And with my rule of an etrog too And with my rule of an etrog too I take my rule of an etrog And shake, 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 shake It in my sucker Oh, it's my sucker I love my sucker Now for the next seven days That's where I will stay in my sukkah Oh, it's my sukkah I love my sukkah It's a temporary house And I will walk about in my sukkah Oh, in my sukkah And my lula vanetro too And my lula vanetro too I take my lula vanetro And shake, 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 shake It in my sukkah I love my sukkah Now for the next seven days That's where I will stay in my sukkah J.M. in the A.M. Some shellac rock for kids getting ready for tomorrow night in the holiday of sukkahs. Oh, it's my sukkah. Baruch HaGever before that. You heard, you heard Yehuda Green with Barcheni. Bamarom was done by the Kinderlach. You heard Shlaimi Daskal with Baba's Nigu and Reubanim. That was Yaakov Shweki. Soul Farm had Sukkis in Jerusalem. And the Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Thursday and this October the 1st, day 13 in the month of Tishrei. Yeah, it's already October. Could you imagine? 13th of Tishrei. Tomorrow is Erev Sukkis. We're here at JM and the AM. Weekly update and more all tomorrow morning on this broadcast. The brand new year is 5781 at Tufshin Pei Aleph with sunshine today and a high of 76. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 58. Tomorrow morning, clouds, afternoon sun, high only 65 degrees. Yushalayim is at 83. We're at 61 here in New York as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Hello, hello all. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock on this uh, Thursday morning. Well, today's one of those days. Primarily because it's Thursday, where we again recommend to everybody that there is absolutely no reason to touch that dial. Between now and candlelighting time, there is absolutely no reason to touch that dial. Do you know what kind of statement that is? You know how hard that is to justify? <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> but we do it. Uh, we do it because after JM and the AM on Thursday morning, it's Charlie Harari, Michael Fragan, Allison Josephs. Today, Miriam L. Wallach at 10.30 speaks with Jake Novak in the aftermath of the debate, or whatever you want to call it, from Tuesday night. Um, 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. for our live lunch here from New York. 1 p.m. for JM, uh, 1 p.m. for um, Throwback Thursday, rather, Woo. as we go back to, an, to a classic JM in the a.m. 4 p.m. for JM Rewind, which this week has Rabbi Heber, calendaric consultant. That's 4 o'clock. 7 p.m. It's Mark Zomik with a brand new edition of the Erev Shabbos show, in this case concentrating on the holiday of Sukkot, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, then at 3 a.m. Friday, the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by Kedem. 6 a.m. JM in the a.m. 9 a.m. tomorrow should be table for two with Naomi Nachman. I will find out uh, how we're doing on her uh, uh, schedule of uh, presented shows. 
Uh, but either way, um, either after that or after JMM, you'll hear the Arab of Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, and that's from Mark Zomik, presented by Mark Zomik. Erev Shabbos music mix, of course, all day long until candle lighting time. And as Mark described in a text that I saw, uh, let me see here. Uh, this week on the Erev Shabbos show, he opens up with three thongs, three songs that he forgot to play last week, for which he apologizes. And then he transitions into some great songs to celebrate Zman Simchasenu. Erev Shabbos show is sponsored by Kedem. It's Thursday, 7 p.m., Friday, 3 a.m., Friday, 9 a.m. this week as well as on demand after that. So that's our answer. It'll be at 9 a.m. this week uh, on Friday morning. Plus, of course, uh, in the final hour, remember, now in the final hour, and candle lighting is about 6.15 tomorrow in the New York area. In the final hour this week, you'll hear Gavriel Drillman Zahafti, Chazen Sherwood Goffin of Blessed Memory, singing Anna Hashem, Sam Glazer with Ma'ashiv, and what would an Erev Chag be without the Rabbi's Son's classic Hallelujah? Sponsored by Kedem, part of the official soundtrack for Erev Shabbat, exclusively on the Nahum Siegel Network. We call it the final hour. I am telling you, I, I just I just spent two solid minutes describing why there's no need to touch that dial between now and candlelighting in the sukkah tomorrow. Pretty amazing, I must say. Hey, what's on today's schedule, you may ask, on JM and the AM? Dr. Norman Blumenthal will join us. We'll check in with Ronnie Timzit in the uh, Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. And the Ziva Glanz is going to join me to remember Rabbanit Miriam Levinger, one of the great heroes of the 20th and 21st centuries in Jewish history. We will discuss uh, her life uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. So lots going on, to say the least. Lots going on here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Here's Ari Goldwag. Give me- 
I say, I say, it's time for Dalit Minim. 
the Lulu's here, the Estro too. Hadassin and the Rumbles for me and you. For that we are happy, so we're very happy. Hug, hug Samaya. I say it's time to be joyful. I say, I say it's time to be thankful. I say, I say it's time to build our sukkah. Oh, I say, I say let's shake and love it. I say, I say right without this broken. I say, I say it's time for Dalit Mini. Oh, hooray, hooray, let's go and build the sukkah. The brach aloud, that's what we do. For that we are happy, so we're very happy. Chag, chag sameach. Oray, oray, it's time to celebrate. For that we are so happy. Oray, oray, let's all appreciate this chag that makes us happy. The lulav's here, the kestrel too. Hadassim and the rubbers for me and you. For that we are happy. So we're very happy. Hug, hug, Samaya. Hooray, hooray, it's time for Rush Beans and Avraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. Hooray, hooray, let's all take Rush Beans and along with Yosef Hatzadik. Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron too. Dovid Amelech, me and you. For that we are happy, so we're very happy. Hug, hug, Samaya. J.M. in the A.M. Uncle Maishi. He's a um, he's a big Sukkis fan, that's for sure. <laughs> he's a big Sukkis fan. Uncle Maishi here at J.M. in the A.M. Um, I say Sukkis is what he calls that. Sukkot done by Yitzchak Fuchs. Rogers Park had Sukkis falling. Curry Bone, brand new from Kolecha. And Ari Goldwag had Biyado. Who stars with him on that? There's somebody on that with him. I forgot which uh, which youngster. Try to try to um, try to see who that is. Give me a second. On the uh, Ari Goldwag brand new album, there are a couple of special guests, and the one that you heard on Biyado. <laughs> Uh, Yeshaya Levin. Yeshaya Levin is the name of the young man. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Got lights on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up here at JM in the AM. After all, that's what we do. Want to take, um... Yes, and news from Israel is coming up next. Want to take this opportunity to wish a very happy birthday to Dr. Shari Mann, who often has been described to me as the most uh, wonderful of human beings. And I would not argue with that. I'd agree wholeheartedly. Happy birthday, Dr. Shari Mann, from all of us here at JM in the AM. It is uh, Thursday morning on this 
First day of October. It sounded like Poogie. Was that Poogie in the background of that of that uh, dialogue going on at Galaitzal? I believe so. Oh, maybe it was Tzvika Pick. I think it was Tzvika Pick. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next gen. תקרית חריגה בגבול עזה, הפלסטינים חצו את הגדר והשליחו רימונים לעבר כוחות צה"ל אין נפגעים, מדווח כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. המסתננים חדרו דרך גדר הגבול עם רצועת עזה מול מושב נתיב העשרה וחדרו לשטח ישראל. הם זוהו בעיני תצפיות צבאיות שהפעילו כלפיהם כוח סיור של גבעתי והנחו את חברי נתיב העשרה להישאר בבתיהם. כוח הלוחמים הגיע במהירות, חתר למגע ועצר את השניים, וכליהם נמצא מטען דמה וכן סכין ומגזרי תיל. ההערכה היא כי כוונתם הייתה להיעצר בישראל, הם הועברו לחקירת שירותי הביטחון. גופת תינוק הותרה סמוך לבית עלמין בחיפה, המשטרה פתחה בחקירה, כתבנו קובי מנדל. עובד בבית העלמין הנוצרי בכפר סמיר בחיפה הוא זה שהזעיק את המשטרה לאחר שהוא מצא גופת תינוק בן יומו במקום. הגופה נמצאה במצב של ריקבון מתקדם, בין היתר בשל החום הכבד, וכעת קשה להעריך בין כמה היה התינוק, ועדיין לא ברור מי הוריו. הגופה הועברה למכון לרפואה משפטית באבו כביר. המשנה ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה דינה זילבר קובעת כי אין ניגוד עניינים שמונע מראש הממשלה נתניהו לעסוק בהגבלת ההפגנות. במענה לפניית קבוצת מבצר הדמוקרטיה, כתבה זילבר כי אמנם קיים קושי מסוים בעיסוק של נבחרי ציבור בנושא, אך אין מנוס מהמסקנה שבנסיבות מסוימות מעורבות הממשלה בלתי נמנעת. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני משפט, יובל הראל. חברות כרטיסי האשראי יאפשרו דחיית תשלומי הלוואות לשלושה חודשים לפחות, מדווח כתבנו ניתאי ענבי. בהלוואה צרכנית עד 100,000 שקלים מחברת כרטיסי האשראי ניתן יהיה לדחות את תשלום הקרן לתקופה של שלושה חודשים ללא שיקול דעת החברה. התשלומים הנדחים הם למעשה הלוואה חדשה עם ריבית שתתווסף לסוף ההלוואה. בהתאם לסיכום עם בנק ישראל החברות יוכלו לדחות גם הלוואות לעסקים שנפגעו מהמשבר ולהציע הקלות נוספות. ברקע המתיחות בין המשטרה למפגינים בבלפור, ממלא מקום המפכ"ל ניצב מוטי כהן אומר לפני זמן קצר, אני מודאג מהשיח האלים כלפי השוטרים. ראשי תנועת הדגלים השחורים כתבו בתגובה, יש להשעות את מפקד מחוז ירושלים מתפקידו, מדווח כתבנו יובל שגב. בהודעה לתקשורת כתב ניצב מוטי כהן, אני מודאג מהשיח האלים והפוגעני כלפי השוטרים, משטרת ישראל שייכת לאזרחים ופועלת למענם. עוד הוסיף כהן כי יש לראות בשוטרים מגני העם והבריאות, ולא להפך. בתגובה מסרו אנשי הדגלים השחורים כי רבות מפעולות המשטרה נגד המפגינים אינן קשורות בבריאות, וקראו לניצב כהן להשעות מתפקידו את מפקד מחוז ירושלים במשטרה. ראש שירותי בריאות הנפש במשרד הבריאות, הדוקטור טל ברגמן-לוי, מספרת ביומן הצהריים עם יניר קוזין, אנחנו מזהים צורך גובר לסיוע נפשי. אנחנו מתמודדים כמובן עם שינויים בחיינו היומיומיים, חוסר יכולת לראות הרבה פעמים את הקרובים שלנו, וחוסר יכולת להתמודד עם המצוקות והחרדות שלנו בדרכים הרגילות. כרגע, ברמת הריחוק החברתי, אנחנו לא מסוגלים לעשות את הדברים הפשוטים והקטנים האלה שעוזרים לנו ברמת היום-יום. היות והתגובה של כל אחד מאיתנו היא מאוד מאוד אינדיבידואלית, קשה מאוד להגיד לציבור כללי של עשה ואל תעשה כדי להיות יותר מאושר. והתחזית ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות. Shake your palm from
Sukkestar.
J.M. in the A.M. Salcellus Jr. with Ronanu. New. Before that, Avram Freed's Lebedic. You heard Rakod, Rakod done by Yidol, Berry Weber, and Tenby Koach, and Sukkis style. That was the uh, YU Maccabees here at uh, JM in the AM. Thursday morning on this 1st of October, 13th of Tishrei, a day away from Erev Sukkis. Hope we're doing well. Weather looks pretty decent in this area for Sukkis night tomorrow night. I hope that's uh, the same in the case where you are. Please, God. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. And comment away. Full day here. It's Thursday. You know what we always say? No need to touch that dial between now and candle lighting. No need whatsoever. A lot of great shows coming up. Charlie Harari after Jam in the AM. Michael Fragan. Allison Josephs had, has Lord Jonathan Sachs today at 10 a.m. Miriam L. Wallach has Jake Novak about the debate at 10.30 on That's Life. Live lunch, 11 until 1. Mark Zomik with an incredible Erev Shabbos show for Erev Shabbos and Erev Sukkis. Tonight at 7, tomorrow morning at 3, tomorrow morning at 9. A great final hour before Shabbos and before Yuntif, which will start somewhere between 5 and 5.15 Eastern time tomorrow with some great material that Mark has prepared, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, who sponsor our uh, the bulk of our Thursday and Friday programming. I mean, we're talking about a whole amazing collection of great uh, material between now and candlelighting time. Uh, we'll have Yuntif because we're going to follow the diaspora schedule. We'll have Yuntif, Shabbos, and Sunday, which means uh, our network will become live again Monday morning, Cholomoid, at 6 a.m. So keep that in mind. We'll have that uh, presentation for Cholomoid, Sukkot, Monday morning, 6 a.m. If we find out about Cholomoid events that are actually taking place, in this area, we'll pass that information along to you. At the moment, it's not uh, very promising, frankly, the way things are looking six months later. Uh, but we'll see what happens. We shall see. Avram Freed, he's got another one for us. Words from the Yuntif Prayers at JM in the AM.
A song entitled Visamachta from Michal Streicher. Avram Avram Fried before that with Atta uh, Vichartanum. Thursday morning, JM and the AM, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our wonderful friends at A&H. A&H Delicious Hot Dogs, Abel's and Hyman Delicious Hot Dogs, available at every Trader Joe's nationwide. And right now, you can go to kosherdogs.net. Kosherdogs.net, save 10% with promo code radio. Kosherdogs.net, 10% promo code radio. How cool is that? I know it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> kosherdogs.net, promo code radio. Check it out. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Plenty more coming up. It's JM and the AM after all. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas HaRav Zebner Yosef Levi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Yosef Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Zerashimsha notes that the Lulav alludes to Bali Tshuva, those that have repented. The Lulav is compared to the backbone, which represents the power of each individual. We learn, Ashrei Misha Oise Tshuva Kishu Ish. Happy is the person that does Tshuva, that repents, while they still have the Koach, the vitality, and not a person who has reached such an advanced age that they no longer have the kochos to repent. The lulav is also the tallest of all the minim. It is a remez. It alludes to the concept that tshuva is so great, as we have a remez that tshuva is so great that it is oila umagas ad kisiyakovod. It goes up and reaches to the heavenly throne. Despite the fact that the esrog is more important because it has taste and fragrance, tam v'reach. Also, it is mentioned first in the Pasuk. However, when we take the Dalet Minim, when we take the Lulav and Esrug in hand, we make the Brocha al Natilas Lulav, over the Lulav itself. That is because the Lulav alludes to Tshuva. And we know, b'mokam shabali Tshuva omdin, in a place where people who repent stand, Sadikim gemurim enam oimdim. Those that are completely righteous cannot stand. The great Kalabar Rebbe, Zechot Tzadik Livracha, had one son who went off the derech. The son departed from the ways of his fathers. Unfortunately, he remained that way for a good amount of time. After his father had passed on, he became a Baal he repented. Whenever he would attend a community event or a simcha, the rabbis of the generation would always put him on the dais. They would call him to the front and give him honor. Not because he became a great tzaddik, not because he had accomplished a tremendous amount in learning, but because he had done tshuva shlema, he repented and came back to the fold. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a wonderful Yom Chag Sameach. Baita yesh batu arazmana 
זה לא סיפור בר קמצא כי מחווה וחגיגה חליפה ועניבה תתלבש מהרה העיקר זה השמחה החתן והכלה עם ידיים לא מאחר גם לא דקה, נכנס למכונית, נותן גזו תנופה, הנוף עובר כל כך מהר, מותיר עשן ונוצר, ממתינים לי החופה, החתן והכלה. הרים ידיים לבורא, לגעות ביחד ונראה, אם אורח טוב אתה תהיה, מהר מהר תקום מן הכיסא. מתעברן עם שמחי עץ, פרנוס ונחס, כסף תרגל, תפריד ושתיים, ותגן צבל. Simcha Gedola. Yeah, that's referring to a wedding. Not many of those right now between uh, Yom Kippur and Sukkot. I think I did hear of one or two. But the Simcha Gedola is coming tomorrow night with Zman Simcha Senu as the holiday of Sukkot is uh, getting set to begin. Dr. Norman Blumenthal is with us. We've asked him to come on because, uh, first of all, beginning of the school year, beginning of a brand new year, and everyone trying to get into somewhat of a regular routine. After all these months of uh, continued COVID situation. Um, plus, it's Mansim Chosenu. Yet our brothers and sisters in Israel are in complete lockdown. And <laughs> my friend Shlomo Katz told me that uh, they announced on the radio no Ushpizen this year. And they were serious. They were using the word Ushpizen as if, you know, it's, a, it's the word for guests. But obviously, the real Ushpizen, I guess, <laughs> still can come to the sukkah. <laughs> Please, God. Um... And here in the U.S. and in so many other places around the world, uh, it's going to be a stranger, more unusual sukkah, just like so many of our Yom Tovim have been over the last few months. 
Dr. Norman Blumenthal is the um, Director of Trauma, Bereavement, and Crisis Response Team at OHEL, and he joins us live via telephone. Dr. Blumenthal, Shana Tova, happy, healthy, sweet new year. A gamar tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Thank you, and to all of you. <laughs> Appreciate that very much. You know, I think what prompted the um, uh, my request to get you on specifically this week uh, as the school year now, again, depending on which school it is and which school system it is, has been in effect somewhere from, you know, a couple of weeks till maybe a month, a month and a half, depending again on how things are in different cities. Um, you know, we, we turn the page. We get to 5781. We get to a brand new school year. Many of us think we're literally turning a page, turning over a new leaf, a getting a fresh start. And yet, Dr. Blumenthal, as we try to do all that, we realize that the same COVID situation, even more of a serious one than a couple of months ago, exists in our community and in the entire world. And, and unlike, mm-hmm. unlike March and April where we understood the safety and the emergency and we, you know, we went along with it because, you know, again, it was an urgent situation. Now people are getting a little bit more tired of it. As we have this renewal, this renewal of a new year, new school year, et cetera, uh, is, is it possible for people to set aside the depressing part of the COVID situation and really get off to a good start? I don't think we set aside. I think we have to face reality. I remember in the earlier parts of my career when I worked with substance abusers, one of their lines was that drugs are for people. Who, I mean, reality is for people who can't handle drugs. Wow. Um, you know, uh, we have to deal with reality. And the reality, as you said, is that it's here, it's still here, and it's still impacting on our lives. Uh, so I don't think we can go into the new year and just make believe it was like the beginning of, of last year. That doesn't mean that we have to be demoralized or hopeless or uh, walk around depressed. We have to face that reality, and then people have different ways of doing that and, and cope with it effectively. Well, I'll give you a, a, an interesting, I don't know if I call this a suggestion, but it's certainly something that's going through my mind. We all know that the world was closed uh, a Cholomoid Pesach, right? Everyone realized right. that there's no way that anything that resembles normalcy in terms of family get-togethers and trips and visits, etc., is not going to happen. I think now, even though, again, and I don't want to minimize the current situation, we all should be adhering to the rules, we all should be extremely careful, and we know that this thing is spreading, especially in our community. But I think people are still trying to be creative. They have an entire week of Cholomoid coming up. I think people are trying to think, you know, what can I do outdoors with my family? What adventure or hike can I take with them? And and I guess that would be the healthiest way of dealing with this, right? Uh, sure. Well, first of all, we're, we're more used to it. It's, we don't have that shock factor. We've had a few months, and people have shared. And that's one of the things that's been the, some of the silver linings that we've had is some of the enormous creativity. Uh, which people come up with in ways of uh, socializing in a healthy way and and having recreation in a healthy way. So I'm more at home, but I think the bigger problem is that it's almost like we had a taste of freedom. Uh, the summer, it was really, I wouldn't say it was gone, but it was much lighter, right. and many kids were able to go to camp, and we were able to have uh, a summer that more closely resembles those that we've had previously. So we sort of had a taste of freedom, and now we're suddenly feeling more restricted again. It's much harder to go back to March and April than it was to sort of uh, plunge into March and April last year. Yeah. 
Dr. Norman Blumenthal's with us. You know, Dr. Halevi was with us yesterday from Shari Tzedek, and he said what did him in, and I think he used the expression was like a slap in the face to him, was his positivity. He really thought that, you know, we were past the the big hurdle, the way things like you just described, you know, during the summer, and that we probably wouldn't get into a very serious situation. Again, this is what he was thinking, and of course, we see what's happened in Israel. I mean, our brothers and sisters are in, are in total lockdown uh, for the holiday, which is, uh, and it's one thing, the, the, the Nissan holiday season is one thing to be locked down. Th- this one, of course, you know, causes, um, I think, a lot more anxiety when one is locked sure. down. So I- I- is it important to sort of, you know, play this mind game with ourselves, not to be overly positive, but to be realistic in thinking we really have no idea when this mm-hmm. is coming to an end. You know, sometimes it's hard for human beings to do that, to to program our minds to realize that we have no clue when this is going to end, and, and I have to be prepared if it's going to be many more weeks or months. Sure, sure. I mean, the... Uh, our rabbi said it very succinctly in, in when they said in simple Kataros Asfakas that uncertainty, ambiguity <coughs> in and of itself is stressful and we're, it's fraught with ambiguity, this situation, even for the experts. Um, what we're recommending for people, that, that we, we find that there are two different types of people. There's some people that just sort of flow with the punches. Some people who just sort of take the attitude, deal with it when it happens. They don't plan ahead. And, and that suits their personality. They're not right or wrong. And those people really, in a way, have to reference the past. Right. They have to reference that they were able to cope with things in the past, and whatever comes up, they'll deal with it. Some people are more future-focused. Some people need to know ahead of time what they're facing. And what we're recommending for them is make believe you have, like, five, six doors in front of you that, that play out all the possible scenarios for the next few months and be prepared for each one. It's like contingency planning, like they do in the business and in the military. And uh, be ready so nothing will be really a total surprise. Whatever comes along, you've sort of prepared for it. Uh, I just think that a lot of people can get past the first hurdle and often feel they can, uh, you know, meet up to the challenge of that, you know, that first traumatic experience as the whole world has experienced. And when it comes to the second or third, it just, you know, the ability to do so just gets, you know, more and more challenging. That's all. It gets more challenging, but uh, we have a lot of fortitude. Uh, my mother, may she rest in peace, was a Holocaust survivor with a treasure trough of Yiddish sayings. You say the men should be a third. Man's like a horse. And, uh, we, there's a lot we can cope with, and, and, and children in particular. I mean, children are remarkable in their adaptability. So I don't think we have to despair and think we're all going to have psychiatric breakdowns or just fall apart or something like that. Um, we, as human beings, and, and especially, I have to say, as Jews, with our, with our beliefs, we can handle a lot, and this will right. somehow or another end. No, nothing lasts forever. Yeah, I get that. But so, sometimes we find ourselves looking up to the heavens and saying, "Isn't it enough already? Like, like is it, <laughs> hasn't this yeah. hasn't this been long enough?" I, I, I've, I've said that. I've looked up and said that for less uh, imposing situation. <laughs> That's a very good point, <laughs> Doctor Norman Blumenthal, with us. All right, we talk about your work with OHEL. Uh, I, I, last time you were on, you described to us some of the unique situations that you're getting. I mean, you're in touch with a lot of families who are, again, I keep using the word challenging, but are going through really difficult situations. Uh, in fact, f- frankly, in some situations, you know, you, you might surmise that the survivability of, you know, of, of, of family harmony is, is really, really, you know, being put to the test. Um, what, what, 
I mean, would would that be accurate? That you know, that be, right. be, because of the uh, the closeness that everybody's experiencing right now, and because of the mm-hmm. different lifestyle that that families have never had, uh, that they're now experiencing. Uh, I mean, the, the the ability of a family to make it through and to do so in a peaceful, calm, and understanding manner is is, is more of a challenge. Absolutely. But one of the things we're saying is what was will be more. So minor irritants will become major irritants. On the other hand, uh, resilience and strength that existed before will come out all the more so as well. Or family uh, harmony will, will be greater. So what I think people have to anticipate is that what has preexisted and may have been of minor proportion is now going to become a major proportion that is that relevant to problems and potential friction as well as for strengths and uh, for you know close companionship and collaboration. What do you do about the uh, economic situation? People come to you and families say that you know one of the things that's stressing them out and that's really you know playing such an important role in all this anxiety is finances. A lot, yes. of, a lot of people don't have jobs. We have a service here where we're literally asking people just to send us resumes on the shot that you know we can match them up with an employer or have some luck in that, just spreading the word around. Um, and you, frankly, you know, from your position, it's, it's not like you're, you're not Secretary of the Treasury where you could predict to people you know, when things are going to start improving. It must put you in a really delicate situation where you want to give them the confidence that that, that will turn around, but we have no clue when it will. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting that uh, I really believe that those who have lost jobs um, or whose businesses are now faltering, that it's not even so much the capacity to put food on the table. I think so far there's enough money around that people are, you know, are living in their homes and eating, but the blow to one's self-esteem and the worry about the future and and uh, what will be you know uh, you know weddings by mitzvahs uh, providing for this providing for that is uh, sometimes more corrosive than the actual limited capacity to purchase items you have any idea what the um statistics are or can you give us a general assessment uh, a year ago you know you were dealing with x number of families through the work of ohel any idea w- where it would be at now I don't have statistics, but uh, I can say that in terms of the impression, I'm, I'm just dealing with the trauma team. I'm not involved right. with the clinics and with right. the, uh, you know, the domestic violence uh, program, et cetera. Although it was a very large operation, we've had our we've had our hands full. But but certainly the the. COVID-19 has dominated the trauma team. But we have other, unfortunately, we've had other situations as well. But the stress, we, 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 we just did two programs for widows. We've run groups for, we ran, I think, it's six groups for people who lost right. parents, four for adults and two for teens. It, it has really dominated the phone calls and the demands that are being placed upon us. Um, and we're learning as we go because this is nearly unprecedented. Last time, so, you, so we're learning from the seat of our pants. Last time you were on, we spoke about those unique Zoom sessions, as you just described, that you're doing with those unique groups, unfortunate unique groups, yes. that are now yes, suffering. Many. I, I got to ask you a question. Um, <laughs> Uh, we all talk about quarantine. It, it's the topic of the day, obviously, because you know people are either fearing going into it or are experiencing it, frankly. Um, and uh, very often, the most how do we put this? The most severe punishment for the greatest offenders in our community is solitary confinement. 
I'm not right. com- I'm not comparing someone's bedroom where where food is being <laughs> delivered to them and they have an iPhone. I'm not comparing that to solitary confinement, but you can make the comparison if you know what I mean. Uh, do you yeah. sometimes do you sometimes worry that those experiences that teenagers and others are going through for a two week period are going to have lasting effects? Um, the lasting effects uh, there, there will be lasting effects from this whole event, but the lasting effects can be positive as well. Even you know, we even quarantine, from even from quarantine, mm-hmm. even from quarantine. Well, well, let's suppose suppose the teenager is quarantined, and suppose he thinks his world is coming apart because he's a teenager. Very normally. The peer group is their world, right. and they somehow find creative and effective ways to transcend the confinement of their four walls and connect and relate, um, and are, uh, let's say, are even imaginative in the way in which they do it. They can have a greater understanding of what, let's say, the mind can do, or they can become a little bit more at home with themselves and right. uh, not feel so compulsive about having to be around others and appreciate that sometimes just being with yourself and thinking and reading and uh, growing, uh, you know, in terms of the understanding of life can be important as well. And they can take that with them even when there is no quarantine. So uh, that's really what we're doing. We're mining and looking for those lessons that we can derive from the hardship. (sighs) Tomorrow night, Zman Simchasenu. Tomorrow night we have an obligation to be happy, literally a biblical obligation to be happy. Do you think we could do it? So it's very challenging. In fact, we just did a webinar last night. Uh, I spoke with, along with Ramosha Weinberger. I mean, uh, I was clearly the tuffle, um, but um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, about how to, how to do this. And I think just the very fact that we have to dedicate an evening to this, and we had about 60 people listening, shows how challenging that will be. There were, there were many ways of, of looking at it. I think one of them, which I, I, I proposed, and I think might be, but everybody has to find their own way. First of all, use your imagination. You know, we talked about, you mentioned their spiesen before. I don't think there's social distancing from the Ovos. From <laughs> Not for the real spiesen, right? <laughs> right. So we maybe we'll do a spiesen with more uh, kavana. We'll, we'll imagine who's at our table. We'll, we'll appreciate how important family members are because they're, they're not with us. The other thing is that, you know, one way of looking at it, and this is something both Roy Weinberger and I spoke about, is uh, Hashem's telling us something. Hashem's telling us this year, I want you just with your family. I, I want you maybe alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're making that sacrifice for Hashem because that's what He wants, or, and, and we're going to work on deriving simcha from fewer people. Um, and so, we, again, the mind is remarkable. The mind can do all sorts of acrobatics, and we're going to have to do a lot of them to achieve some level of simcha, and also not beat up on ourselves if it's hard. And, it, and if a tear rolls down that cheek when we make kiddush, because we have this big sucker with so many empty seats, uh, we're, we're human, and Hashem realizes this. So it's, it's something we have to work on, but we can do it. We can, we can derive a different type of simcha yeah. than we may have had previously. Look, the reality is we won't be as isolated as we were on Pesach, and I think that that is, that is uh, what do they call, chatzinachama, that is somewhat of a comfort. That's true. Uh, that people, that's true. People, you know, it, it, th- those who... Uh, you know, th- those who had to stand uh, at a window to check on their grandparents, uh, you know, on Pesach, now this time, they, you know, things could be a little closer, a little different, you know, maybe pe- people could actually meet outside. I-, I guess we have to keep that in perspective, that the situation, even though it is frustrating, is improving. 
and that's important yes, also. It is. Although everybody has to consult their physician. Everybody's right. health is different. Yeah, of course. Everybody's situation is unique, and just be careful. <laughs> no question about it. I, I wish you a Chag Sameach, and uh, I, will re- I will recommend to our listeners that anything we've discussed today, and obviously the services you both alluded to and spoke about directly, are available through OHEL, and people can be in direct touch with right. them and, uh, and and take advantage of those services. Right, and copies of the webinars, even the one we did last night, will be available to the website if people weren't able to get on and hear more in detail how Rabbi Weinberger described ways in which we can derive Simcha even during these difficult times. OHELfamily.org for that video and a whole bunch of other videos and plenty of information. OHELfamily.org, OHELfamily.org. Dr. Norman, Norman Blumenthal is Director of Trauma, Bereavement, and the Crisis Response Team. Uh, at Oho. Uh, Dr. Blumenthal, thank you so much, and Chag Sameach. Thank, thank you for all that you do, and have a Chag Sameach. Appreciate that. Thursday morning broadcast, more coming up at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM with Yoni Z. Tom Boreach is the name of that one. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, now Home Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Thanks so much for tuning in around the world. We have an amazing schedule. Those of you out there who wonder, is it worth touching that dial on a Thursday or a Friday? The answer is no. Once you're locked into us through your web radio or your um, telephone or your computer or your app, once you're locked into us on a Thursday morning, that's it. You don't move. You don't budge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that sounds pretty harsh. Um, coming up at 9 o'clock, Charlie Harari, spin class with Michael Fragan at 9.30. 10 o'clock, Jew in the City Speaks. Allison will have Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs on the program. That's Life is Live with Miriam L. Wallach and Jake Novak with insights about Tuesday night's debate or whatever you want to call it. Thursday, our live lunch. At 11 a.m. until 1 p.m., Throwback Thursday goes back to 2010 with Five-ish Finkel when he appeared on JM in the AM back 10 years ago this month. JM Rewind at 4 o'clock with our David Heber and Calendaric Trivia. The Erev Shabbos Show, Mark Zamek has a brand new one for Erev Sukkot and Erev Shabbos. 7 p.m. tonight, 3 a.m. tomorrow, 9 a.m. tomorrow, all presented by our wonderful friends at Kedem. Uh, and, of course, he has the final hour, 5.15 tomorrow, the final hour. 5.15 Eastern time uh, before the holiday. You don't want to miss that presented by Kedem as well. So don't touch that dial. There's no reason to believe you me. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. Pretty amazing, huh? Veharenu, Shlomo Yehuda Rechitz, Baruch Levine, Maishi Menlowitz, A.C. Green, and the Shira Choir all together with that selection. By request, by the way, off of the NSN Nachum Segal Network uh, app. Uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nachum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Well, Ziva Glanz is going to join us in a minute. Uh, she's on the phone from Israel. Uh, We mentioned a couple of days ago that Rabbanit Miriam Levinger had passed away. Many people don't realize how important a figure she is in modern Jewish history. Many people don't get it. Um, We're going to explore and and tell you more about it. But but Ziva sent me, before she comes on with us, she sent me an amazing synopsis of what happened back in 1979. I don't know why I thought it was so much earlier. I thought it was in the late 60s. It wasn't. It was uh, in 1979, and here's wh- here's what happened. In 1979, this is Miriam Levinger writing this account, Miriam Levinger of Blessed Memory, uh, Rabbi Levinger's wife, uh, writing this account. In 1979, we were a group of 10 women and 40 children 
who entered the abandoned Hadassah Medical Building in Hebron. Exactly 50 years had passed since the Jewish survivors of the 1929 riots had been expelled from this city. The government placed us under strict lockdown. Our husbands were not allowed in, and we were not allowed to leave. The conditions were dreadful. However, I had brought a safer with me that brought me tremendous comfort, entitled Shar HaChatzer. It spoke of Hebron's centrality and how Hebron was the key to all of Eretz Yisrael. Surely we never dreamed of a day where there would be thousands joining us on Cholomoed or a Shabbat Chaye Sarah like we have now. However, in our hearts, we felt the righteousness of our mission. We were following the directives of our forefathers, Masei Avot Siman Labanim. Abraham acted quite deliberately when purchasing Chevron's Marat and for what was an exorbitant price. He too knew that the birthright established for his children in Chevron had spread to all of Eretz Israel, and he wanted to make sure it was one that was indisputable and everlasting. Chevron's centrality repeated itself throughout every stage of history, from God telling David that the eternal kingship of Israel must start in Chevron, to the Bar Kochva revolts, to modern times, when my husband, Rav Moshe Levinger, of blessed memory, knew that the post-1967 movement to resettle the biblical heartland of Judea and Samaria must begin in Chevron as well. Chevron's message is not one we could ever afford to forget, with the recent events in Gaza, Iran, and the whole world questioning our right to Israel, we must also hear God's message to us in these parshiot, that we must be steadfast and confident in our birthright. God wants us here. He wants his children to return. If not, we wouldn't continue to see the success we have seen in Hebron against all odds. It is a message that all of Am Yisrael must internalize, and one of the holy city of Hebron, the city of our mothers and fathers, comes to eternally remind us. Those are the words of Miriam Levinger of blessed memory who has passed away. Uh, she passed away just a couple of days ago. And Ziva Glanz, who um, is a coordinator of special investment projects in Israel and for many, many years under the leadership of the great Judy Grossman, was the associate director of the Chevron Fund and continues to work with the Levinger family, which we'll talk about in a minute. She is with us live via telephone. Ziva Glanz, Shana Tova, welcome back to JM in the AM. Shana Tova, Nachum. So humbled to be able to memorialize a political and religious figure like Miriam Levinger here with you. You know, what's interesting, uh, and, y- and you've done this tour a million times, so you know the story very well. When you go back to 1979, she doesn't dis- the only thing she talks about is that one safer that she had with her brought her comfort. She doesn't discuss the conditions that the women, I believe some of the women were actually expecting, if I'm not mistaken. They were pregnant at the time. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 she doesn't describe the conditions. She doesn't describe the months Am I right? It was months that they were secured in there and not allowed to leave? It it was almost a year. And Miriam was a very humble person. So whenever anybody would bring up, obviously, the enormous historical impact that she had on Eretz Yisrael and Am Yisrael, she would always tell you that it was only because the kids were so excited about doing it, because she went into Beit Hadassah in 1979 with 10 women and 40 children. So she would say, no, it was because the kids were so excited, that's what gave us strength. Or she would tell you that, you know, I had it so easy. I had a chemical toilet when we went into Beit Adasa. But the real pioneers were the ones who drained the swamps of Petachikva of malaria. She was a very, very humble person. But it cannot be uh, said enough that anybody who has prayed in Marta Machpelah, in the Cave of the Patriarchs, in Hebron in the past 50 years, anybody who's gone anywhere in Yudan Shomron, in Judean Samaria, any Yeshuv that was created there, was solely the direct responsibility of Moshe and Miriam Levinger, who led the whole Gush Emunim movement after the Six-Day War in 1967. They led the movement back into Yudan Shomron. 
and specifically Miriam herself. It says, That because the righteous women, and it was specifically Miriam Levinger leading these 10 women and 40 children back into Hedadasa, that is the reason why we still have Hebron today, and why anybody has been able to pray in the Cave of the Patriarchs, and anybody who will ever pray in the Cave of the Patriarchs is only there in her merit. And what you described in terms of her humility and in terms of her approach, as you've alluded to, she had the perfect partner, her by Moshe Levinger, exactly, you know, cut from the same cloth, so to speak, in terms of humility and in terms of the uh, understanding how vital this was in order to build Eretz Yisrael. Um, the, the, the whole idea, uh, you know, it's funny, we, we, we assign certain names to the growth of Israel over the last 100, 150 years, right? Modern Israel. Uh, we talk about Montefiore, Rothschild. Uh, we talk about uh, Moskowitz. I mean, names that are legitimate, legitimate names in the building of Israel. Levinger has to be among them, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. In fact, in 1987, I believe it was, there was a, a poll put out as to who was the most influential figure in Israel at that time, and Menachem Begin and Moshe Levinger, Miriam's husband, shared the top spot. Wow, unbelievable. Um, By the way, these efforts, because it was interesting when I read Miriam Levinger's words to open up this segment, these efforts, uh, you would think, as they see what happens on Shabbat Chaye Sarah, as they see the tours coming through, as they see the activity at Marat HaMachbelah, and of course the growth in terms of people who now live, in Hebron, you you would think they might have been resting on their laurels, uh, but as you described to me off the air, and I wish you would tell our listeners, they and their family continue until today uh, building Hebron and making it as strong a city as possible. Tell me what's happening now. So first of all, it's just amazing because people talk about obviously uh, the contribution to the cloud to the community that Mary Moshe Levinger made. People also have to mention they raised eleven amazing children each of whom is a superpower in their own right. It's a who's who of leaders now in all of Judea and Samaria. But specifically in Hebron, the Levinger family, the children of the Levinger family, they have uh, an organization called Harchivi. It's led by Yirat and Uzi Sharbaf, which is Miriam's son and daughter-in-law, by Malachi and Atarit Levinger, also son and daughter-in-law, leaders of the Hebron community, Fadal Kobe, Miriam Fleischman, and they're the ones responsible for building and selling the apartments now in Beit Shalom for purchasing and redeeming Beit HaMachpelah, for purchasing and redeeming Beit Rachel, Beit Leah. They have been the biggest force in terms of um, modern-day reacquisition of Hebron uh, for the past 10, 15 years again. So the Levinger family is continuing, everybody's continuing in, in their parents' shoes. They're continuing to make their impact. Miriam was involved literally up until the day that she passed away. Uh, she was active. She was the spiritual force. Uh, she was very involved with Daniela Weiss also throughout all of you done Shomron. She didn't stop for a second. And one of the most profound things that Miriam ever said to me personally is she said, I always know that I did something right when I see that there's three generations of my family now doing the same thing and living here in Chevron. Mm. Because that's how you know you did something right. And that always stuck with me. You know what's remarkable? Um, we as kids and then eventually as adults always heard stories and actually studied uh, accounts of great women in Jewish history and how so often it was the women who made the first move in a situation that ended up being you know, one of great redemption, one of great success. I think personally 
when Kever Rachel, and I'm sure you remember this, when Kever Rachel was in tremendous danger of being given away, a group of women literally went and slept, uh, had, a, had a rotation of people who stayed and slept overnight in tents as close to Kever Rachel as possible as a demonstration of support for Kever Rachel and its importance to Jewish families. And that, of course, you know, I believe was such an important part of what eventually ended up being, and Kever Rachel is not the same as it was to us, who remember it the way it was, but at least it's still in Israel's hands. And here, the same exact thing. Miriam Levinger didn't just understand that we need a a pioneering effort in order to bring you know Chevron you know uh, to the forefront in terms of an issue. I think she also realized that when women and children are the ones who are leading it, it's going to be much more effective. Leaders in government will look at it differently and with a much more hopefully sympathetic eye or certainly with a different eye uh, than if you know if, if military men or those who are you know ready to start fighting would be in there. And I think she realized that you know that, that, that this is one of the most important ways for women and children to be leaders to show how important Hevron is and its future is to the Jewish family. What do you think? So I'll tell you just an interesting uh, tidbit of information that most people don't know, but it was actually Miriam Levinger that was a vital part of that core group of women from Hebron that also returned Kever Rachel to us as well. <laughs> she sat in her chair on the road there, <laughs> and she wouldn't move until they opened it again. So people always focus on Hebron, but she didn't leave anybody behind. She had all the Avot and Imahot in her back pocket, and she, she fought for them all. And, so she was involved in that as well. And I assume, and in terms of Beit Hadassah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, and I assume the Levinger family 15 years ago was also very dedicated to the cause when it came to Gush Katif. Hugely. Again, if, if we could spend an hour talking just about the Levinger children. They are the heads of regional councils. They're the heads of organizations. They, they have famous names. Each one of them is a superstar in their own right. So they very much embody the legacy of their parents, and, and they learned it. Where they learned the teachings of a who a cook from their family. They learned this in their home growing up. And people also should know from your audience, Miriam grew up in the Bronx. So she came to this. She was 18 years old. She came to Israel. She knew no Hebrew whatsoever. She enrolled herself in nursing school with not a word of Hebrew. And look what she did. So it's really a legacy to be, to be honored. Unbelievable. We should get the Bronx Borough president to, to make a proclamation in her memory, although I have a feeling politi- <laughs> politically uh, the Bronx Borough president probably wouldn't want to. You were, you were going to add before about Beit Hadassah. What do you want to say? No, so I wanted to mention that, you know, it's such a moving story, the story of Beit Hadassah, for those people listening who are not familiar with it. You know, after the, the Six-Day War, so Moshe and Mary Lovinger, they decided they're going to move for Pesach into the Park Hotel in Chevron. No right. Jews were allowed in Chevron. From 1929, from the riots in 1929, there was a huge massacre, and anybody who survived was kicked out by the British. And they decided, we're going to make our little one step. And that was always the philosophy that they always said. They said, we're going to take our one little action, and God's going to do the rest. So they rented the Park Hotel, and then they decided to stay a little longer, and they didn't leave. And then the government moved them to an army base, and that army base ended up becoming Chiriot Arba. And that still wasn't enough for them. They said, we have to go back to the, the actual biblical Chevron. And it was actually at the Shiva for a three-month-old baby named Avon Nachshon, the son of the famous artist Baruch Nachshon, that Sarah Nachshon, together with Miriam Levinger, decided, we're going back to Chevron. And in the middle of the night, they drove into Chevron under the guard of all the army, you know, under the noses, and they climbed in the back window of the Beta Dasa building, which had been a medical building for the community up until 1929. And the next morning, the soldiers 
woke up to Jewish children singing Veshavu Banim Ligulam, that the children have returned to their borders. And the government didn't know what to do with these women there. And there was a special, uh, there was a special meeting that was put together in the cabinet. What do we do with the women and children of Beit Adasa? And a decision was made that they're going to wrap the whole place in barbed wire. Nobody goes in and nobody goes out. They were allowed to have supplies delivered twice a week. Their husbands were not allowed in. They had the most abhorrent conditions, and they made it work for almost a year. And like you mentioned earlier, there was a woman who went, in, who went in originally. She was pregnant, and she had to give birth, and she's in labor. And it goes all the way up to the prime minister, what to do with this woman who has to give birth from Beit Adasa. And they come back, and they show her that she has special permission to go to the hospital, give birth, and come back. And she refuses to leave. And the soldiers are looking at her and they're saying, you know, what are you doing here? We've got to get you to the hospital. And she said, no, it doesn't say here that my baby can come back with me. And sure enough, they had to go back up to the Knesset and get special permission for the baby to come back as well. And that daughter was named Hadassah. And there's a story with one of the Levinger children, one of Miriam's children. He had a toothache. And he had to go up to the prime minister to get special permission for him to go and see a dentist for his toothache. So the conditions that they lived under were obviously treacherous, very difficult, but they persevered, and because of them, eventually, nine months later, the decision was made to allow Jews to return to Hebron, and that's how they built the Avravina neighborhood, the Beit Adasa neighborhood, Talumeda, and everything that we know today for the Jewish community in Hebron. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sure you've thought of this. You're a spiritual person. I'm sure you've thought that she gets up there uh, in front of the one and only one can only imagine the reward that she is uh, enjoying at this very moment. Not only that, she's the only person I could think of who they say that Hebron is the petach the Gan Eden, it's the entrance to Gan Eden, that every soul goes through Hebron on its way to the Garden of Eden. And we know that the, the forefathers and foremothers, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Sarah, Rizka, and Leah, they're buried underneath Hebron. Sure enough, I know, I know, because I know Miriam, she did not let anything go by. When she was on her way to Petach Ganeden, I know that she brought the Avot and Imahot with her, and I was thinking about it at the whole funeral. And like they said at the funeral, one of her daughters said, make noise up there. Tell them how we're suffering like only you and Abba could do, like only you and our father could do. And I'm sure that she's the only one who could have brought all of the forefathers and mothers with her because look what she did for them. She returned their children to their borders, and I'm sure now that they're all advocating together with her Forgot to do the same. Ziva, when was the funeral? Was it Tuesday, yesterday? When was it? Yeah, it was uh, right after Yom Kippur, the morning, 11 a.m. on uh, Monday Yom Kippur. On Tuesday. She passed morning. away that, that evening. W- w- when did she officially pass away? On Yom Kippur or earlier than that? She was taken to the hospital on Yom Kippur night. Uh, it was very sudden. She wasn't feeling well. And uh, she passed away right after the end of Yom Kippur that evening. That, that also, as we know... And the funeral was the next morning. That also, as we know, is a tremendous privilege. I mean, to to have all one's sins forgiven and then leave this world, I mean, that that's not a coincidence when you think of someone like her. Not at all. Unbelievable. Ziva Glanz helping us remember the amazing and incredible Rabbanit Miriam Levinger. Um, next time you're in Chevron, I hope that this conversation has helped in terms of making your visit even more meaningful with all the different things that Ziva just told us. Ziva coordinates special investment projects in Israel, works with the uh, Levinger children with Harchivi, reclaiming parts of Chevron and building the city of Chevron, and for many, many years was a um, superstar, as associate director of the Chevron Fund, 
under the direction of the ultimate superstar, the great Judy Grossman, who we know so well, and we send best regards to. Uh, Ziva Tadarabag, Martov, and thanks so much for doing this this morning. Thank you for everything, Nachum. More coming up. It's Thursday. It's JM in the AM.
Hey, 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 hey,
JM in the AM Thursday morning on this 1st of October and 13th of Tishrei. Hine Mato from Yossi Green off the Yes Legacy. Harachaman. Words from the benching on uh, Sukkis with Shlomo Kalbach. Yosef Karduner's Kumi Roni. Vaha'er done by Shlemi Toysig. David Gabayan Vahu Yishlach. And you heard Chevron with Dedi after our conversation in memory of Rabbanit Levinger. Thursday morning broadcast. JM the AM 61 degrees. Sunshine and a high of 76. Looks like good weather for tomorrow night in this area for um, the first night of Sukkot. Hope it's the same where you are. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, and the hot dogs are available in every Trader Joe's nationwide. Check out A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And that's for sure. Um, a reminder, we have an amazing day today. Here at the Nahum Siegel Network. In fact, there is no reason to touch that dial between now and candlelighting time. Could you imagine? No justifiable reason to touch that dial between now and candlelighting time. That's pretty remarkable, I have to say. Um... Coming up at 9 o'clock, it'll be uh, Charlie Harari, then Michael Fragan, then it'll be Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. She has Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs on this morning. 10.30, live, that's life. Miriam Alwalik with Jake Novak with insights about Tuesday night's debate, or whatever you want to call whatever that was on Tuesday night. They'll speak live about that at 10.30 on That's Life. Thursday live lunch starts at 11 a.m. Throwback Thursday goes back to when Five-ish Finkel was on JM in the AM 10 years ago. 4 p.m. for Rabbi David Heber and Calendaric Trivia for 5781 on JM Rewind. Erev Shabbat Show with Mark Zamek is presented by uh, Kedem. Uh, it'll be on 7 p.m. tonight, 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, JM in the a.m. with a weekly update and more. And, of course, all day presented by Kedem tomorrow, the Erev Shabbos music mix. The final hour presented by Kedem starts at about 5.15 Eastern time tomorrow before candle lighting time. And Mark has an amazing array of Erev Shabbos, Erev Sukkot selections to play in that hour as well. So, like I said, no reason to touch that dial. More coming up. You are listening to JM and the AM. I remind you that our friends and partners in Torah, our friends at Partners in Torah, encourage you to study Torah one-on-one with a mentor or partner chosen specifically for you. Call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number 4, and then the number 2, or log on to partnersintorah.org. It'll be a life-changing experience for you, partnersintorah.org. More coming up at JM in the AM. Oh, my 
That's Yehuda Green before that Derech Achim. Big Thursday. Keep it here all day long. Trust me, I'm advising you very well. Very well. Achim of Israel and Achim Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard of listeners, sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AchimSegal.com, and AchimSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Thursday. Thank you to Ziva Glanz. Thank you to Dr. Blumenthal. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Coming up, Charlie Harari, then Michael Fragan, then Allison Joseph, who will speak today at 10 a.m. with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. 10.30, it's Miriam L. Wallach live with That's Life, and Jake Novak is her guest. They'll discuss the presidential debate, or whatever you want to call what happened Tuesday night, and many other things about the world of politics. Make sure to be tuned in. 11 a.m., we speak next during our Thursday live lunch tonight at 7 the first run of the uh, Mark Zomik Erev Shabbos show for Erev Sukkot, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.